with Joseph Scrimshaw. Hello. Thank you all very much for coming to Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw. In just a few moments, we will talk to our guest, Virginia Corbett. But right now, I want to tell you about something I've been obsessed with for a very long time. Squirrels. Now, I don't go to squirrel conventions. I'm not a furry or anything. I do own five different squirrel costumes, but I don't invite people over to dress up as squirrels and role play or anything like that. I just dress up as a squirrel to do live theater and take the occasional photo to post on the internet. Yeah, baby. And I used to think that this was very normal, but then last year I had an experience. An actual squirrel got inside my house. He was running around in a panic, and I thought, why is this squirrel so freaked out? Clearly, this is a very squirrel-friendly house. There is squirrel stuff everywhere. Doesn't he see the doormat with a little squirrel on it that says, welcome, and the coffee mugs, and the t-shirts, and the squirrel votive candle holders from Target designed by Michael Graves? <laughs> then the squirrel raced down to the basement, and he froze in terror. He was staring at my squirrel costumes. <laughs> All five of them. Five gutted squirrel skin suits hanging from hooks on a basement wall. And then I saw myself from the poor squirrel's perspective. Clearly, he was in the home of a squirrel serial killer. The squirrel looked at the costumes, looked at me, looked at the costumes looked at me, and then ran the hell out of the house as fast as he could. Now, being looked at by an actual squirrel as though I were a squirrel serial killer finally forced me to really ask myself, what is the deal with squirrels? Why do you like them so much? First of all, squirrels are funny. The whole nuts thing is an immature comedy gold mine. But squirrels are also brave. Brave to the point of being foolish. And I admire that. I once saw a squirrel drag a whole hostess fruit pie out of the garbage. And then the squirrel ate the entire thing while I watched. Even though he must have known the chemicals were either going to kill him or give him superpowers and turn him into some sort of super fruit squirrel. But more than anything, I relate to the way squirrels take in the world. They fixate obsessively on one thing, a twig or a nut, it doesn't really matter, as though it is the most important thing in the world. Unless they see a plastic bag blow in the wind, then suddenly, oh my God, that is the most important thing in the world. At all times, squirrels behave exactly like humans playing with their smartphones. I'm reading an article on the economy and hey, I have a friend request from what? I have to download this app that helps maximize product. Hey, a phone call. That's weird. Why would anyone call me on my phone? And suddenly you realize it's been two days since food or sleep. More and more I see myself interacting with the world in a squirrel-like fashion. And I'm quite happy with that. Frankly, when I die, I would be happy if my obituary compared me to a squirrel. Joseph Scrimshaw died today. He was fast, brave, foolish obsessive, 
had nuts, could eat an entire fruit pie, and was able to focus intently on one thing for up to two or three minutes at a time. And so, before my focus suddenly shifts away, I invite you all to raise your glasses and give a toast to my spirit animal, the absurd yet noble, small to medium-sized rodent known as the squirrel. Two squirrels. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Virginia Corbett. Welcome, Virginia. Hi, Joseph. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you today? So, uh, Virginia, just to give people kind of a little background on, on who you are, who are you? Oh, I am uh, Virginia Corbett, and I uh, am starting an ice cream company, and I used to be a ballroom dance instructor, and uh, I am the mother of two very small and unruly children. And you used to be uh, a performer and a singer, too, right? Well, yes, that as well. So you're a renaissance woman. I am. Right? I would say that. You would say <laughs> I think you should start introducing yourself that way at parties. Hello, I'm, I'm a renaissance woman. And international bon vivant. Yes. <laughs> Don't say renaissance fair woman, though. Well, I, I have been that as well. <laughs> oh, you, you've been a renaissance... That's a completely different obsession. So you've been a renaissance fair woman. Does that mean you worked at the Renaissance no, Fair? I just, I, no, I paid to go there dressed up and act like a crazy person. Really? I paid to do that. Okay, well, we'll have you back for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, in, in the effort to be honest with the listening public, we know each other, when, right? Yes. Right? Yes, Is we that do. true? Yes, we do. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, we know each other um, through the theater world and through your husband, through Mr. Husband. Bill Corbett. Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky enough to taste your ice cream. Mm -hmm. I've been in your kitchen. You have? That to me is a certain level of intimacy. Yes. Of how well you know a person, whether or not you've been in their kitchen. And several dinner parties. Several dinner mm -hmm. parties. Yes. So let's get into your obsession for the evening. <laughs> what is your obsession? Uh, well, I wanted to talk about my very first obsession, which was uh, the movie Stand By Me. Wonderful. <laughs> Aww. People Aww. seem to think that's touching. It's cute. We'll see, we'll see if they still think that at the end yeah. of the podcast. We'll see. <laughs> So how did you first discover Stand By Me? Did you see it in the theater? No, I was too young to see an R-rated movie in the theater. I was 13, and for some reason there was a red video VHS tape uh, in my house that was Stand By Me, possibly uh, recorded off of HBO or something. There was an unmarked red VHS tape in your It was a red VHS. I remember there were three v red VHS tapes in my house. It was Stand By Me, uh, Disney's Robin Hood, the animated one with the fox, and um, The Natural, and they were on red VHS tapes. Was that some weird code that I, your parents had? I think had? it was just like, like uh, you know. If it's red, it's not porn kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to you and your parents. Uh, so did you watch the other uh, red videotapes? Actually, those me? are two other. The, you know, Stand By Me was really my first, my first foray into, like, obsessing on media, um, but... Eventually, those other two did get daily play in my okay. house. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so were you when you first watched it? What what did you experience? Were you taken away right at the first viewing? Well, yeah, I was. You know, I was 13 year old, and uh, you know, the thing that really got it to me, as well as many other people who love this movie, is that it was my first sort of coming of age movie. Um, the kids were my age. There was swearing. That was good. <laughs> you like that? Uh, it was about boys. 
that was good for me. Um, they talked about boobs, which I knew they did. It was like a revelation. Like, I knew they did that. Um, so you, you found proof of male behavior. Yes. Stand by me. And also, you know, the revelation, they had feelings, and they talked about them <laughs> with each other, just like we did. So, so you had these suspicions that boys talked about boobs and feelings. Yes, <laughs> and there they were. And that was validated by Stand By Me. Mm -hmm. And you know, and the swearing. And the swearing. So it was very and the good. swearing. And you knew they all had leeches in their underwear, didn't you? <laughs> Only one. Only, Only one. one. <laughs> Only one very pants. special boy. Yes. So uh, once you saw it, did you did you want to share it with other people? Did you watch it? Alone by yourself, or did you get like big old stand by me parties? No, there was there was uh, there was one girl, Hillary, uh, and I sort of obsessed about this together, and uh, uh, we <laughs> we uh, the summer of 1987, we actually uh, walked on railroad tracks for an entire day, in homage. Uh, the railroad tracks here near my house. Okay. Um, yeah, we uh, we probably were awake the entire night. Mm -hmm. I can only assume, because I know that around 5 o'clock in the morning, we fortified ourselves with breakfast uh, that was an entire box of brownie dough, <laughs> mixed but not cooked. Uh, <laughs> and then we walked to about, about a mile to the convenience store and near my house. And took a giant shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> That came much later. Much later. Right. Uh, we walked to the convenience store and then, you know, got our provisions. I, I don't know if we got water. We definitely got candy. Um, and then we walked on the train tracks uh, two miles out and two miles back. And uh, did you, like, sort of reenact the discovery of a body or a no. conflict with Kiefer Sutherland? <laughs> yeah. or? Oh. No, but I did, uh, I did dig up a base plate and uh, a rail spike, which is the, the long thing that holds the track onto the wooden thing. So, so, so that have you, this you committed metal. some domestic terrorism. I did. I did. <laughs> the train is still running to this day, 25 okay. years later, so I don't think I did any actual damage. But I did lug home this base plate and this rail spike uh, as souvenirs. And they resided in my parents' basement for 24 years. And last year, my mother called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And... All of the 70s ski clothes are still there. The curtains that were hanging in my dining room when I was two are still there. What did she get rid of? The rail spike and the, and the base plate. Like, <laughs> I now have this story that every nerd has. <laughs> uh, my mother threw away the thing that I loved. Did, did she know what the railroad spike oh, was? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, she knew. so there might have been some deeper but it's, reason. You know, but not, no, 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 I don't think so. But it, you know, it's, this has been in my basement for 24 years. She doesn't care about it anymore. You know, and okay. that—that's the thing that—that's the thing that left. And ha do your parents like Stand By Me? Did they watch it? They with do. You? I, well, okay. I, I don't know if they watched it with me, but they, you know, didn't stop me as a seventh grader watching it. Swearing. It, it occurs to me that maybe we should try to summarize the film for anybody who doesn't know Stand By Me. So would you? I mean, you know it better than I do. Uh, it's based on a book uh, called The Body, or a story in a book called The Body by Stephen King. It's basically the story of four boys uh, in uh, 1959 who walk from their home to another uh, town on the railroad tracks in order to see uh, a kid their age who has gotten killed by uh, getting hit by the train. And okay. it's their sort of journey together. Um, a side story is that they're trying to beat the older brother gang uh, for credit of finding the body. So, so this is an excellent summary of the plot. I just rewatched it, and that's perfect. <laughs> but I, I, I suspect your obsession is not with the plot of Stand By Me, <laughs> but no. something deeper. So uh, what, what themes do you think are at work in Stand By Me? 
Well, I think for me it, it was, you know, the camaraderie and the adventure um, and the swearing. Again, with the swearing. Um, the only film that had swearing in it. <laughs> when I was in the 13, 1980s. it was. <laughs> it's the only red tape with swearing. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it, was a, it was a story for me that I could, even though it was about boys, I could put myself into it. Mm -hmm. um, I could see myself, you know, I had a group of friends. In fact, at the end of the, the movie, he says, I never had any friends like the ones I had when I was 12 years old. And I'm actually still friends with my four best friends from seventh grade. So are they, and they're the ones who walked the train no, tracks this, with No, that you? was a different girl, but we are now friends on Facebook, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so you could work, walk on some virtual train virtual tracks train together. Virtual train tracks with Hillary, that's right. Um, but we actually wrote, I didn't know what fanfic was at the time, but, <laughs> but we wrote something we called the book, and I don't know where it ended up, but you know, we wrote ourselves into this story. Really? Yes. So you accompanied, was it a sequel? Or no, was it, it like was a sort of a retelling. Um, I gave, we gave a ourselves... A reimagining of Stand well, By Me. Okay. We gave ourselves boy names for some reason. I was Colin Blake. Uh, you got a woo I did, that. for woo. And I was Gordy Lachance's twin sister. So for those who Much don't know, like Gordy Lachance is uh, portrayed by Will Wheaton. That's right. And I did not have a crush on River Phoenix in the book. I went for Teddy Duchamp, who was um, Corey Feldman. And so I, I, for some reason, had to go for the crazy guy. Okay, but you, so you... You wanted to be Gordy's brother, uh -huh. but you wanted to bang Teddy Duchamp. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so, so you, you sort of played like... I wasn't well. Mary Boff Kill with the Stand By Me cast. Yes. <laughs> no, see, I hadn't seen Stand By Me since I was a kid. And in my mind, it was just sort of like Goonies but with quality is how I remember <laughs> Stand By Me. Or like right. Porky's without boobs. That's kind of right. how... I remember Stand By Me, so we just rewatched it. Yeah. Um, in in the thing that that I was really distracted by is knowing these actors from other things, particularly Kiefer Sutherland in Will Wheaton. Yeah. So there was this wonderful scene for me in my adult mind where Jack Bauer from Twenty Four <laughs> was gonna fuck up Wesley Crusher from the Next Generation. And Wesley pulled a gun on him. I know. And Wesley Crusher kicked Jack Bauer's ass. Yep. Incredibly impressive. <laughs> So, okay, so we've kind of danced around it, but I think, it, I think it's time to get down to the, the nitty-gritty. Why, why do you call yourself obsessed with this film? Well, I think because it was really the first, the first time that I connected with people, actors who were my age, who were going through the emotional turmoil that you do. Um, and, I, you know, I, I grew up in, like, Serious suburbia and and needed <laughs> and like needed serious, serious suburbia. suburbia. Oh yeah, um, but I needed some some sort of adventurous outlet, and here was this movie that that had these like normal kids who went on this kind of adventure, but it was something that you, that was tangible too. You yeah. know, like I could do that. In fact, I did. I wasn't looking for a dead body, but you know, it was something that I could could really go and do and 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 connect with and. I mean, my obsession wasn't so much, like, if you're obsessed with Star Wars, you can get into, like, all the nitty-gritty about why and... Yeah, you, you can know. waste all sorts of money I on toys. <laughs> <laughs> can learn all kinds of yeah. insane you facts. You drive people out of your life, <laughs> yes. But this was more, like, the, the feeling of it and the... And, uh, it was the obsessiveness of watching it all the time. And it actually started my obsessive 
personality, sort of. I became obsessed with other things because I was introduced to obsession <laughs> by Stand By Me, which is kind of about an obsession of finding this kid's body. So now body. I'm picturing that, like, at yeah. night, at, like, 8.02, you had to turn the light on four times and <laughs> watch Stand By Me for 20 minutes and then pause. and then. So did you watch it literally religiously, like, daily? I watched it daily. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this is not done. This is not something people do, apparently. <laughs> just me. I'm just, just the, the film's really good, but there, I, I find like there are moments that are like really haunting and affecting. So it's interesting to me to think of going through that again and again, mm -hmm. like every day with a leech in the underwear. That's not. Well, no. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know the thing. Well, speaking of like the haunting things, you know, having Gordy Lachance go through uh, his brother's death. Uh, John Cusack plays sort of the, the memory of uh, Will Wheaton's brother who had been killed earlier that year. And, uh, you know, right. I think obsessions sort of seep into your everyday life. And watching that movie so often, and, and there's a haunting scene where John Cusack gives Will his hat, and later Kiefer Sutherland takes it away from him. It's really, really terrible. But there is a shot in that scene where you see. Um, John Cusack's picture, and he's wearing his football jersey. And since I've been 13 years old, my favorite number has been 19. And that is because that is Denny Lachance's football jersey number. And these things just sort of, I know, right? So these things, but. You got an ooh like we had shown them jewels. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, when you're a kid, like, you obsess about things and you, and you really. Um, Right, it spirals off from the main thing into other little sub-obsessions. Yeah, and you carry them with you into your adulthood. Like, what adult has a favorite number? Like, you don't just come up with that as an adult. It's something that you sort of yeah. decide on as a child and yeah. and bring with you throughout your entire life. Speaking That's of things you've carried through your adulthood, you, you have an ice cream, is that right? I do. Uh, my, my first obsession is now leaching into my most recent <laughs> obsession. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to think of um, ice cream flavors that have to do with themes. So... You know, I have a, a time custard that I'm themed against uh, the, the 11th Doctor in Doctor Who. It's time, huh? And it's <laughs> custard, like fish custard. Um, so this morning I thought of, okay, well, what kind of ice cream could I make with Stand By Me? Leech ice cream. Leech ice cream. I thought, I thought of five blueberry pie ice cream because there's a story. Right, blueberry vomit right, ice cream. Right, and I thought that's, that's right. too gross. Um, Dead body ice cream. <laughs> there's so many good ice creams here. Stolen dead brother's hat ice cream. <laughs> uh, one I thought of was root beer ice cream with Twinkies and Pez because that's what that's what Vern wishes that uh, Will had, uh, that Gordy Lachance had gotten with his seven cents. Uh, but what I came up with is uh, they're sitting around the campfire and Vern says, if I could have one food for the rest of my life, it would be cherry flavored Pez. And so I have cherry flavored Pez ice cream. That's that I made this amazing. morning. Ooh, that's kind of melty. But uh, it even has Pez chunks in it. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> and, um, yep, that, uh, that tastes like childhood right there. That, I think I'm going to call that obsession ice cream. <laughs> um. <laughs> well. Big. That was too big of a bite to take. Big chunks of Pez. Wow. Pez flavored ice cream. I can see trying to eat nothing but that for the rest <laughs> of my life and dying very quickly. It's, it's amazing ice cream. Thank you. The ice cream is really great. Um, so, okay. So let me try to 
summarize your, I'm sorry, the, the ice cream is like <laughs> white with little pink sprinkles, so I feel like I just ate a princess. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's really distracting. It's sweet, and there's something stuck in my teeth. It goes well with your beard. Uh, yeah, it goes great with Stella Artois. So let me try to summarize your obsession. Mm -hmm. As a child, you discovered a magical red VHS tape that had Stand By Me on it. You liked it because of the swearing yep. and the emotions and the boob talk. So you watched it every night until it drove home into you an obsession with the number 19 <laughs> and the concept of obsession itself, which has led us to here sitting in a bowling alley eating ice cream. Eating, ice cream. <laughs> eating princess ice cream. Princess ice cream. Would you say that's a fair? I would say that you've done very well. There. All right. All right. Well, I'd like to close out uh, with asking you three very serious, very pompous questions. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? I would be an okapi. What the fuck? It's an <laughs> An okapi, it kind of looks like a horse. It's, it's, uh, it's got a long neck like a giraffe, and it's brown, but its back legs are zebra-striped. Huh. What? WTF? I, I know. know, right? So. That, you just made that up, right? I did not. There's one at the Columbus Zoo. There's Everyone one oh, in Columbus, Ohio. Go see the Okapi. So there's just one in the Columbus well, they're Zoo. They're from Africa. That. That's the only one that I've seen ever in real life. In what movie was that animal in that you became obsessed uh, with? It was actually in the book, The Poison Word Bible, by uh, <laughs> Barbara K Kingsolver. <laughs> A book that I was obsessed with. Wonderful. Okay, next serious, pompous question. What does your favorite sandwich sound like? <laughs> that was very lovely. Thank you. That was exciting. That was I'm going to dub that in randomly throughout the podcast. <laughs> it's just a bass sound. Yes. <laughs> Somebody is munching on something through this whole podcast. And finally, what is happiness? Happiness is a big bowl of ice cream. Ladies and gentlemen, Virginia Corbett. I'm going to take my ice cream back. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you. Obsessed. Obsessed. Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw.